Good evening. May God bless you. <clears throat> Maybe the story of the big, big eyes looking at birds sort of impacted me when I thought about the poor birds. They have reason to try to run from me because of my big face and my big eyes. <clears throat> but sometimes I think we don't realize that there are great big eyes. Maybe that's a Example, it's better for us adults, maybe the children don't even understand it, that there's big eyes watching us, not literal eyes, big eyes and a big mind, planning, designing things and planning things, trying to destroy us. Sometimes when we're in moments of temptations and moments of difficulty and moments of we're just about ready to give up, if we'd remember there's a big mind out there that's done. You know, Satan works, I've seen... I think in my own life and in other people's life, he'll set up one thing. He's not in a hurry. He'll set up one thing. Months later, another thing. Later, another thing. And then another thing. But all the while, there's a mind working. An example, young men. You meet a young lady, and she catches your attention. She's still friendly. You meet her later, and she's friendly. You meet her later, and she's friendly. And I see things like that happen, and I'm sure the enemy is designing it. He's not in a hurry. He can do it in a year and a half, two years, but little by little, he's, design, he's planning. He's planning to make us fall. If we could only remember that and keep our eyes on God. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure the brother's name who led the song. And thank you for the devotional, Brother Gerald. Both of those tied right into our subject tonight. I don't know if you looked at 1 Timothy 6 to choose it or not. But uh, let's look at 1 Timothy 6. And I'd like to look at another um, aspect of God tonight. We're looking at 1 Timothy 6 from 13 to 16. And looking at different attributes of God. Tonight we want to look at God's attribute that he is, he dwells in light. Dwells, dwells in inaccessible light. <clears throat> Let's read first. 1 Timothy 6, 13. Remember the commandment, the basic commandment is, I give thee charge that thou keep this commandment. He tells us how to keep it. He tells us till when to keep it. And then a lot of the passage here is talking about who God is to give up. A, a backup to what he's saying. That gives strength to what he's saying. By the way, men, when you preach and teach, you know one of the strongest, best ways to give your your teaching power is tie it back to the character of God. Relate it to God's character. Young men, if you do teaching, relate it to God's character. Everything that's true is based on God's character. God's person and his character is the foundation for anything that's good. And everything that's wrong goes counter to his character. So you want to give power. Some people say, well, doctrine can be boring. Uh, that... Well, maybe it depends what you mean by doctrine, but you take doctrine and you build it on the character of God and it becomes exciting. It adds power to it. Because that's simply what the Word of God is. That's simply what doctrine is. It's, a, it's building on who God is. It's a teaching of who God is. And you relate our teaching back to who God is and God's great mind. It gives it a power and a fresh look. Okay, 1 Timothy 6, 12, 13, sorry. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. We have been looking at the attributes of God listed here. Tonight we want to look at that he dwells in light inaccessible to man. Then uh, Sunday morning I think we'll look at Jesus Christ who witnessed a good confession in the presence of Pontius Pilate. And Sunday evening then I think we'll look at... Um, what the charge is and the command is and how we're supposed to keep it. Tomorrow, I think I'm going to take a little, 
I got Leon's per permission for this. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna, I'd like to base it on this passage, but I, I've been feeling a, a group of youth here that I appreciate. I see some men and women sitting up front here giving me a lot of support, and I appreciate that. And uh, I feel of God, I think tomorrow evening I'll speak, have a message for the youth. I'd like to base it on this passage, but not necessarily a study of the passage itself. Um, but tonight, light. God is light. He dwells in light which no man can approach. Inaccessible light for man. Why does, you know, the Bible uses a lot of these images or examples. Why does God use light for God? The difference of light and darkness. We could go on a week probably on that. There's different aspects. You could probably do that. But what is the difference between light and darkness? Why does God dwell in light? Or obviously he does. What is light? And if we look at the Old Testament, <clears throat> often related to God, and tonight uh, Brother Gary Gerald read that, often the presence of God is related to fire. And fire gives light. And I'm sure tonight I'm not, I don't understand it all myself. It's one of these things that I understand a little bit but feel like a lot I don't understand. Let's look at this a little bit of light, and I'd like to read some passages again that I have here. In Exodus 24, 17, it says, And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Remember that story when, Jesus, uh, when God came down on Mount Sinai, and he was beginning this, this uh, trip with Moses leading them and taking these people that had been slaves and he was bringing them out into the desert, and he was going to lead them to the promised land. And one of the first things he wanted to do is get them to understand who he is. Moses had already encountered him in the burning bush, again fire. And Moses asked, who are you, God? What's your name? And God says, I am that I am. I am. God doesn't need a lot of explanations. He just simply is. And when we look at this thing of fire, why does God use fire? What does he mean by fire? You know, that day on the, mount, that day on the mountain, he gave them a picture of his personality, of who he was. That is important. The later, there's other pictures of God in the tabernacle and the blood sacrifice there's so many pictures of God. But in this picture, God came down on Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was covered with clouds, and the whole mountain shook in the presence of God. There was thunder and, and, uh, and like a fire, and smoke going up like a furnace. And then a loud voice said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And you remember the story. They were all trembling, and they said, God, don't have God talk to us. Moses, you talk to God, and then you talk to us. We're afraid. And even Moses said he trembled in the presence of a holy God. That is an aspect of the character and the person of God. It's not all. There's also the God, then, who has the blood sacrifices and so many other things. But this thing of the holiness of God and... Um, the fire of the presence of God. You know, we see it in the cloud. The cloud that led them during the day, it was a cloud. During the night, it was a pillar of fire. Uh, on the mountain here, as we just read. In the tabernacle where um, Brother Gerald read tonight. An evidence, and back then, sometimes, not all times, but was of the presence of God, was fire. Can you imagine the impression? If uh, in the tabernacle there was a, a glory the fire and the glow of the presence of God. And um, then we have the same thing when Moses went on the mountain. That was actually earlier. Moses went on the mountain. He was in the presence of God. And then he came down. His face would shine. Because he'd been in the presence of God. Light. Light. In him was life. 
Yes, we talked about God is immortality. In him was life, and life was light for men. You can think a lot about that. What all does that mean? His life is light. I don't think it's necessarily a literal fire all the time. Uh, obviously, the presence of God isn't always fire. But he uses fire, and we see that in different. We'll look at some other passage here. But what does he mean by life and light? Darkness. What's the difference between darkness and light? Darkness and light. One thing, as we go on, I want to read some passages to help us here see some of this. But Light is pleasant, is pleasing. I'm not sure what you said, Brother Gerald, but it just struck me. Do you know, young people, listen to me, please. Do you know that sheer joy, fullest of joy, is holiness. You, you know what I mean, young people, when you say holiness, and we sort of think like, well, holiness is sort of a black and white, gray life. Oh, holy? I don't want to be too holy. You know, I don't want to be too holy. I, I really think the enemy is trying to deceive us what holiness is. The being in the light of God, in the holiness of God, is fullness of joy. The presence of God is when we are full of joy. Light is joy. Freedom of sin is fullness of joy. Holiness is not sad, boring. Um, what are some other words we could use? Someone you think that way. Holiness is fullness of joy. And Satan deceives us when he thinks joy is to sin. Joy is to rebel. Joy is to like we said yesterday, like Eve, step out and run my own life. I can get into another world and run my own life. That's joy to do what I want to do. No. We talked about that last night. And fullness of joy is to come back to the Creator God and enjoy His life, His purpose, His plan for my life. Just totally give myself into His life and live for His life, His fullness of joy. And I'd like to encourage all of us Older ones and young ones. Satan deceives us. And you might say, oh, that's a different thought. Because Satan thinks that joy is out there. And oh, I just sometimes we almost secretly think, I wish I could go out and have a little fun. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. Fullness of joy. Fullness of, 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 of uh, total fullness of joy is the presence of God. In his presence is fullness of joy. You can go out and sin for a while. Yeah, sin sizzles on your tongue a little bit. Sin does give a little momentary pleasure. But after the pleasure, sadness, guilt, shame, loneliness, confusion. Tremendous. But to live for Him is not boring. To live for Him is fullness of joy. To live for the Creator. That's impacted me tonight. I'm not sure what you said, Gerald. You got that started on me. It just added us something special to this message. When we talk about the light of God, the Spanish, the song, Holy, 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 I love that song. In Spanish, in the translation, you know, something to change him a little bit. And I looked at it, and I don't see it in English. One of the phrases in Spanish says that they, talking about the hosts in heaven, that they bathe in the light of God. They're bathing themselves in, like, banyan en el lumbre de Dios. They're bathing themselves in the presence of God. We can just get a picture of that. The light of God is, is fullness of joy. And we don't have access to that now because of our sinfulness. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of my message here, but I got sort of fired up on that. Thank you, Brother Gerald. Let's read some verses here. Again, I'd like to read some verses out of, um, out of the Bible. I'm, I'm just going to read them. And you just listen and worship with me uh, and see what the Bible says about here about life and light, light especially. You know, First John, John 1, 5 said, And then this, this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. 
and in him is no darkness at all. Now, let's go to some Old Testament verses. Psalms 96.6 says, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I chose that word. I know it doesn't say light, but beauty in his sanctuary. The beauty of light. Light is beautiful. Do you know that colors, we have a variety of colors in here on our clothes, but if you go outside in the forest and you see the flowers and the birds, you know that light color is really, I can't explain this, but color is really the different ways that light is reflected, absorbed or reflected. Can someone explain that? You can explain it better than I can. But color as a result is actually, comes from light and a different um, uh, I, I'm not a scientist. I just like to, to dabble around in things like this. But it's a different way. They absorb and reflect light. But color comes from light. Beauty comes from light. And that's God. The person of God. Goes back to the night when we talked about the blessed one. He is good. He is absolutely good. The person of God is beautiful. Light. And the absence of light is darkness. Isaiah 2.10, enter into the rock. Look at these pictures. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The glory of his majesty. Isaiah 61-3 Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon me. For behold, the darkness. I thought this describes the world today. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising light. Isaiah 60, 19. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Then we have the picture in Ezekiel 1, the vision that Ezekiel had of God. We have different of these visions of God, and um, they're amazing. It's a little hard to understand them sometimes. This one of Ezekiel, I'm going to read here 26 to 28. And Ezekiel had this vision of God. And he says, And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. As I read this, it seems like Ezekiel is trying to grab for words to describe it. Over their heads was the likeness of the throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man upon it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about, as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Now, this, some of this we don't understand, but here's a, like a being on the throne. It's a vision of God. And in his loins, I don't know if that's sort of the center, there's a light, there's a glow, the color of amber, and I'm not sure what. The, so it's a color of fire, light going up, and light going from the center, and then light going out. Then around the throne, he said, there's a bow, like the rainbow. I don't have the colors of the rainbow or not. There's different pictures when the men have vision of God. They see like a fire, like the glowing of bronze, the, the polished bronze or the lit up bronze, the glow of light and fire. And uh, in, in Revelation, there's a case when there's seven flames of fire before him. But glory, and this glow of light coming out of the throne. And, and then the bow. I don't know, in this case, it might have been a color of a rainbow. It says like the bow. In, in Revelation, it says an emerald bow of light above him. But whatever it was, someday we'll see it. Uh, it was a beautiful, 
beautiful vision of God and the glory of God. Can you imagine someday just bathing and rejoicing in this light of his presence? If we want to do that someday, we need to start it now, to rejoice in his presence. Because if we have sin in our lives, the light of God terrifies us, terrifies us. Ezekiel 43, 2, it says, And behold, the glory of the Lord God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the noise of many, many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. Verse 4 and 5, And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. Habakkuk 3, 4 says, And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. In Revelations 21, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of the Lord did lighten it. And the Lord is the light and the, pardon, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And all the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor to it. Revelations 22, 5. And there shall be no more night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. The glow and the light of the presence of God. I don't understand it all. But there's light. Why light? I'm sure I don't understand that. I'm sure I can't explain it right. But light speaks of perfection. Light speaks of purity. Light speaks of cleanness. Holiness. And in God's case, and God is a person, he is absolutely perfect, holy, glorious. That's his glory. And this is not just because he has attained it by working up to it. It's who he is. Who he is. His person is perfect. I'd like to read some verses that talk about that, about God's perfection. The glory of his presence is who he is and the perfection of his person. Deuteronomy 32.4, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. 2 Samuel 22.31, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried, he is a buckler to all them that trust in him. Psalms 99.3, Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. It is holy. Then Isaiah. And here we can see us in Isaiah's vision in Isaiah 6. Here we can see us sinful men in the presence of God's light. 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We have different cases like that in Revelations when John saw Jesus glorified on the island. He just, just collapsed. Just, the glory is such. And if we'd see the glory of God here tonight, uh, we can look at it by faith and, and meditate on it. But if we'd see it in person, we would all the same. We'd just, we'd just collapse. We'd lose all our strength. We'd just, you know, just the beauty and the glory of God, the holiness of God. And that is because we are sinful in our sinful nature. 
someday with our transformed bodies, I don't think we'll collapse. I think we'll just worship and praise him forever. But God is so beautiful. God's light is beautiful. We could talk a lot about what light is and what light does. And when we're in light, everything is open. Nothing hid. If you want to hide something, where do you go? You go to the dark. You get out of the light. But in light, everything is out in the open. And there's a tremendous freedom. Talking now about ourselves, if we could just be open. Transparent, light. We're in light. We live in light. And there's another thing when in our life we have hidden secrets that are dark and we're afraid to get them out, to show them. We're afraid. Now, we all have private lives. I want you to understand. We all have private lives, don't we? Things that we do in private that we don't do in public. But we're not really ashamed of them. All of us are things that were private. But they're normal things. It's supposed to be private. But another thing is when I'm doing something that I know is against the holiness of God and I'm offending God and there's this thing that I'm ashamed of because I'm doing something wrong. You know, I do things in private because they're private, but I'm not necessarily ashamed to say that that's part of my life. That's just part of life. But shame of when there's things hidden. And because of our sin, we all know what darkness is. We all know what this thing, instead of being just open and transparent, the freedom of transparency. And again, I... You know, one of the beautiful testimonies God's people have is the freedom in their faces because of freedom of a conscience. Things are taken care of. I know I'm loved by God. I don't need to compete with anyone. I'm just me and living for Jesus. And that freedom in our faces is walking in light. But we, because of our sin, because of our selfishness and our pride, we talked about yesterday and the night before last, because of the pride and our living for self, self-gratification, just living for myself. There's every one of us, we know so well what it is to live in darkness, doing things that we're ashamed of, doing things that are below the honor that God created us for, doing things that are not honorable and we're ashamed because we're just living for ourselves. And so then we hide, and like Adam and Eve, they run and hide because they're ashamed. There's guilt. There's shame. Isaiah says, We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We all understand that. and We know the deception, and I just, all of us, especially young people, young boys and girls, you can understand me. There's a lot of things that um, the enemy brings to us that seem like they're fun. They're fun to do them, we think. And like I say, they sizzle on our tongue for a little while. But then, loneliness. Confusion. Uh, guilt. Shame. I don't know if you know, I, I see a difference in guilt and shame. Guilt is I feel bad for things I've done. Things I do. Shame is just the, I can feel it in my blood. The feeling that I'm, I'm just not what I'm supposed to be. I don't measure up to what I'm supposed to be. The shame of who I am. That is because of our disobedience to God. And how wonderful it is to come to God and find forgiveness. And to find purpose in Jesus and living for him and the shame just melts away and I can still struggle with that I'll just throw this in I don't know brother do you ever sometimes lay at night go on to bed I like to pray before I go to bed and think about my day brother Gerald do you ever feel like I'm just not up to what I should be I'm just not as good as I should be you ever feel that I sure do I can feel discouraged looking at myself but then when I remember Jesus loves me and he takes me and uses me and I can just say Lord here's me again just poor me but you love me when I know he loves me and he takes me and helps me and even uses me and, and use me 
then the shame falls away. Not because of I'm anything special, not because I do anything good, but because he loves me. He loves me. To know that we're loved, the freedom of knowing we're loved. But you know, darkness is right the opposite. Darkness is when we're afraid to open up those things. We're afraid and we, we've got things and we've got to put up a front and we've got to, you know, we've got to look like everything's all right. But underneath we know things are not right. And I know we, things are, are, are hidden and, and darkness is always separation from light. Darkness is, is being separated from the God of light and separation from light is simply disobeying God, is simply doing things that are not according to his purpose. We talked about it was the first night, I think, that God's purpose is a guiding factor of our lives. What he planned us for, that makes a framework within which we should function. Within that framework, what his purpose is for us. And sin is stepping out of that and going against his purpose and fighting and struggling and against him and disobeying him and living for self. And, uh, that is darkness. And we all know what darkness is. Darkness in our life. Now I'd like to read some verses about it. I read some passages, I think, earlier here about the sun of light. That light is coming. And light has come. Light has come. In a small way, but a very real way. And someday we'll go to enjoy fullness of light. But Isaiah says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let's look at the example of snow. We don't have snow at home. What I like to tell the Costa Ricans at home is split a coconut open and look at the coconut on the inside. It's white as snow. Costa Rican never saw snow unless they saw it on TV. But take a coconut and split it open and it's as white as white can be. Yeah. White as snow. And you look at your life and I look at my life and all my pride and all my selfishness and all this, that through Jesus I can be cleansed and made white, free from my guilt and my shame. Ezekiel 36, 25, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Cleanse them through Jesus. Joy is to be cleaned. Don't believe Satan's lies that joy is to, to live in darkness. That joy is to do what your own flesh wants to do. Joy is living for yourself. Joy is being cleansed from our pride and selfishness. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that beautiful? There's so many words used in the Bible about the new birth, regeneration, uh, and they all have a different aspect. But this thing of the, of the washing of regeneration, and I remember it when I, was, when I gave my life to the Lord, the joy of knowing I was forgiven, of being washed of my sins. Not only that first time, but again and again, I have need to come back to Him and humble myself, repent, confess, and the washing of forgiveness, the washing of freedom. To be cleaned is fullness of joy. And then John 3, Jesus said this, and this is the condemnation. Talking about our decision here. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world. Jesus, light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth light cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The two ways of living, living in darkness and living in light. Living in darkness is you can't stand light. I have sometimes made the mistake, and I think there's a time to do that gently and kindly, but I've also made the mistake of trying to show someone who's in darkness his, his condition of darkness in the wrong way. I remember one time I was almost hit in the face. Maybe we say that's persecution. Could be. I really think I went later and apologized. I think I handled it wrong. But people who live in darkness do not like to be exposed. We let the Holy Spirit and we can speak. 
and help them be able. But when a person comes to light, it's, it's, it's a process that happens within me. And maybe someone's been experiencing it this week. I don't know. But it's a process of come, starting to see my condition and then opening myself up to light. And it's like there's a circle of light here, and I'm in the darkness, and I don't want to come to light. But if I start seeing my need, and I start drawing near, and I get closer to the light, and I get closer to light, and I want to open my life, I want to just open it up. Say, this is me. And then that final step, when you step in the light, and it's like saying, Lord, here I am. Some of us cry, some don't. I did. I cry easy. It's not important. The tears aren't that important. But when we come and say, Lord, here I am, it's just me. Open myself up to light. Everything is open to him. It's called repentance. And giving my life to him and just, then the light comes into our lives. And we can live in light. Live in light. Fullness of joy. Living in light. Now and in eternity. Right now, you know, we, we can step back into darkness. We can get back into mixed up with darkness. And it takes away our joy, but the fullness of joy is in the presence of his light. First John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all, our sin, from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness to bring our sinful nature, to bring our pride and all the, the wicked things we have done and the proud heart that I am. To bring the, my proud heart, just bring it to the light and just open and say, Lord, I repent. Mm -hmm. Instead of self-defense, defending myself, even as Christians we have this problem. I see so many people struggling and struggling and struggling and all they're doing is defending, defending, defending themselves. Some people spend most of their life doing that. And if we can just break, come to the light, just repent, just give up, turn it over. We don't need to defend ourselves. Let God do that. And just come to the light. Another aspect here it says is we have fellowship one with another. Who was I talking with the other day? I think it was Brother Gerald and Brother Leon. In our work in the church at home, and I imagine it's true right here too, one of the, one of the most difficult things, difficult, I said, yeah, one of the difficult things to lead a church and to bless a church is to be able to experience brotherhood, real brotherhood, where we work together, we love each other, and we pull together. One way to work, try to have brotherhood is not be very close. Just come to church and sing, then go home and not be very close. But you want a brotherhood to work close, to help each other. And I can go up to Nathan and say, Nathan, and help him. And Nathan came to me. I've had my, I remember my boy at 12 years old, he came up to me once. He says, Dad, I think you hurt Dorcas, my, my sister. He was right. I went back and apologized. I didn't even realize it. And she burst out crying. I said, Dorcas, did I hurt you when I laughed at you yesterday? And she burst out crying. And my son, he was like, you know, Ellis was like, I don't know, 13, 14, he came and told me, Dad, I think you hurt Dory. I need him. We need each other. But you know, that thing of a brotherhood that works is one of the rigors of discipleship that are hard to attain sometimes. And here it says, walking in light, we have fellowship one with another. Walking in light. Darkness and shadows are the areas we have pride and self-defense and um, arguing over issues. And, uh, we have our different opinions. We need each other. We're different. We have different gifts. But we need each other and to work together. Sometimes the struggles. I've had struggles with this. About two years ago, my brother Paolo was going to I went, he was having meetings in Costa Rica, another church, and I went to listen to him. Paul and I have always been close, so I want to go here and preach at least once. I didn't think I could afford to go every evening. I was too busy, but it was like an hour and a half away. And I went to one night, and he preached. And then he said, tomorrow I'm going to preach about love among the brethren. And I felt something, bonk. I went home and I told, not because Paul, I went home and I told my wife, I said, honey, I think I should go back tomorrow. She knew why. 
because I was really having some struggles with a brother. I'm, that's me. I don't know about you. This thing of brotherhood. I was having some real struggles with a brother. I went back the next night, and Paulo knew about it. He said he felt sorry for me all through the message. He said he knew he was giving it to me all through. But when it was all over with, I already had gray hair. This is not important, but I was a bishop. But I went up forward, and I knelt down and cried like a little boy. Dale Heisey went back with me and prayed with me. And light, freedom. We need more of that for fellowship. Getting rid of our defense. You know, I could, I could spend hours telling him all oh, the other brother was wrong and I was right. I could always end up these, and when I was alone, you can always spin your mind shh, thinking all the stories up and all the defense mechanism, and you can get there, wow, we can do it so good. But to have fellowship, that needs to break and die. The cross of Jesus come to light. Light, the presence of Jesus, confession, brokenness. And again, that is the most beautiful experience. Light is beautiful. Light is colorful. Life is richness. Holiness is richness of life. Don't let the devil deceive you that this little saying here, I don't want to be too holy. Too holy. Well, I don't think you can be too holy. Maybe it depends what you mean by the word holy. If you think about someone that's self, um, self-righteous or something like that, yes. But no one is too holy. Or we could accuse God of being too holy. <laughs> uh, it's a miscount. But holiness is fullness of the presence and joy of God. To be clean, to think the way he thinks. To have the, the goals he has. To live for him where I'm the absence of pride, the absence of self. The absence of myself and his glory, his love, and his service is my life. Fullness of joy. Holiness. Sometimes we think holiness is something hard to attain. You know, you gotta, and I'm not against praying. We need to pray. And I, I, I've sensed your prayers this week. And I've been praying. We need to spend a lot of time in prayer. I'm not saying that. But holiness is not something you have to get into the room. You've got to work and you've got to... I mean, I'll take some of that maybe. But you know, it's like I've got to... I've got to See if I can reach holiness. I like to change that a little bit. Holiness is breaking in the presence of Jesus. And like I said the other night, young people, just live for Jesus. Just be what Jesus wants you to be right now. Just freedom. That's freedom. Holiness is living for Jesus. It's not something hard that only the bishops have and the others, the ministers and the rest can't reach it. Who's the youngest member in your church here, Brother Leon? I don't know. Young girl, young boy that just serves the Lord with a clean motive and a pure heart and lives for Jesus. And that thing I said the other night, it's, I like to make it simple. Do what Jesus would do, and if Jesus wouldn't do it, don't do it. Some people don't have nerve to say that. If Jesus would do it, I'll do it. And if Jesus would not do it, I won't do it. Just live that way. Just live for Jesus and love him. Holiness, right there. It's holiness. The Bible has a lot of instruction and a lot of things that tells us and helps us get there. Forgiveness and all this. But holiness is just the presence of Jesus. Living for him. It's not something that, that is, is boring and hard and stiff and hardback benches. And <laughs> uh, Holiness is Jesus in our lives. The presence of Jesus. Living for him. And again, the beautiful thing is that everyone has access to that. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to be very smart doesn't hurt to be smart. Uh, you don't have to be beautiful. Just who you are, just the freedom of just living for Jim, for Jesus. Serving him and serving him in the context of brotherhood. We see this, this is the context of brotherhood, of working and flowing together with brothers. Such a satisfaction, such a joy to love and work together. We miss so much if we go off by ourselves and want to do everything by ourselves. Flowing together with the brotherhood and working together. It's, uh, it's easy to live by ourselves. Yeah, it's easier. But it's not God's plan. We miss, if we live off by ourselves and don't flow with the brotherhood, we're missing a whole bunch of the New Testament. <laughs> There's a lot of things there we can't obey. It's easier. Um, just, if I just go live by myself and just 
Like I have people tell me at home, I, I have the radio or I have the TV. I listen to the preaching on TV. I pray alone and I'm doing fine. I don't like to mingle with people and work with people. I'm missing the great part <laughs> of what, what the plan, what the gospel of Jesus Christ is really about. It's flowing together as a brotherhood, living for Jesus. Holiness is simply believing, loving, and obeying, and following Him. Light. <clears throat> this light that we talks about here, dwelling in light which no man can approach unto, that's because we're in our sin or in our bodies yet, in our bodies. We still can't approach to it. But listen to this, 1 John 3. Beloved, now, right now, we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Right now we're looking forward to that. We're living for that. We're, like it says here, we're looking forward to that, so we're keeping ourselves pure. We're concerned that every day we keep our things up to date. Something I preach about in my wife. When I'm married to my wife, she doesn't mind me saying this. She's had this thing, so every day she wants to make sure everything's okay. Every, every day we go to sleep. Not a bad thing. Sorry, honey. Sometimes at night, she tells me, honey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Keep things in light. Purify myself. Keep myself clean. And then someday we can rejoice. We, know we shall see him as he is. And then we'll have transformed bodies. And right now, if we'd see the glory of God in these bodies, we'd fall. We'd just lose all energy. But at that moment, the newness of body will just bathe. In his light and will flow. I don't know how the spirit world is going to be light in heaven. But we'll just flow in his light. And rejoice. Fullness of joy in the presence of God's holy light. God's holiness. Today we wait for that. We live for Jesus. And we purify ourselves every day. Process of growing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for things so beautiful. And Lord, I know, I know we don't understand it. I'm sure I don't. Maybe even I've said some things that are not quite accurate. But Lord, forgive me. And, but we do want to lift you up and glorify your name as the holy and perfect light, the glories of your presence, the glories of holiness. Oh, Lord, that we could understand, that our children, our young people could understand the glory of holiness, the beauty of your presence. We could not be led away in the deception of sin. Lord, you know our hearts. You know each one of us that's here tonight. We want to draw closer to you and to the light. We want to open our lives to light. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, it's a feather. And it's from a bird. We know that. Right? Why do birds have feathers? It's easy to fly, you're right, flying. Um, you know, birds were designed to fly. Can you fly? No. You can. Have you ever tried? Yes. Yeah. I, I have dreamt I'm flying. I know how it feels in my dream to fly. It's good. Why can't we fly? Does someone have somebody studied science? Why can't we fly? Because we don't have feathers. We don't have feathers, that's one reason. What's another reason? We have what? We have bones. What about the bones? Birds have bones too. Hollow bones. Hollow bones. That's right. What else about the bones? Yes. Pardon. They're smaller. They're smaller than we are. Yeah. Uh huh. And they are made to fly. They are made to fly. One thing is the bones. You're right. They have hollow bones. They also have light bones. We have big bones. Yeah. And. Ours are not hollow. Another thing, where does the bird have most of its muscle? Wings. The wings, yeah, yeah. Breast. Breast. Birds have big breasts. And do they have big fat legs like we do? No. no. Birds have little legs that they have muscle up here because they need to do a lot of work with these wings. And then they can fly. Yeah. We can't fly. We don't have big enough breasts. And our legs are way too big. What are legs good for? Walking. We were designed to walk, right? So don't try flying. Don't get up on a roof and try to fly. It won't work. It won't work. God designed us to walk 
and our feet. You can talk about our feet, and our feet are wonderful for running. You know? We can run, we can walk, but we're not designed to fly. Now, let's talk a little bit about feathers. You know, birds have feathers to fly, and feathers are a wonderful thing. I found this feather, and it was all messed up this morning, and I've been working at it here and trying to get it nice again. And um, the feathers are a nice thing. One thing when a bird, I don't know, this might be a tail feather. But anyway, yes? They shed their feathers, you're right, all right. But the feathers that the birds have out at their wings, at the end of the wings out here, the big feathers, they have something very special about them, yes? They're longer and stronger. Longer and stronger. Another thing about it is, see how they have this center piece in the center? This is a tail feather, it doesn't quite, but I, th I think it's a tail feather. But when the feather goes up, when the bird flies this and the wing goes up, these outer parts of the feather go down and lets the wind go through. Then when they push down, these, the sides stick out and push against the wind. Like when they go up, it goes like this. Maybe when it goes up, see what I mean? There it is. Uh, who, who planned that? God. God did. God made feathers. It's hard to see it on a bird because they fly so fast. On big birds, sometimes you can see it. When the wing goes up, in between the feathers, the feathers go down and let the air through when they go up. But when they go down, the, the feather spreads out and catches all the, the air to fly. Now another thing about it, if you'd have to make a feather, how would, what would you make this out of? It has to be real light, right? Huh? Yeah, you know, this, it needs to be something pretty strong. Maybe like the, like the material on umbrella. Yeah, what do you think? Plastic. Plastic, that'd be a good option. But you know something special about feathers? Feathers have something very unique. I can take this feather. Actually, this feather was this way, and I have worked with it and worked with it and worked with it. You know, you can stick it back together. Have you noticed you can take a feather and do this? You can pull it apart. Right? Now, let me work with this. I can take this feather. You can see what I'm doing? And I can work with it and work with it. I'm not as good as the birds do with their beak. And I can work with it, and I can work with it, and I can work with it. And it sticks together again. Look at that, stuck together again. Oh, did you make that? That you can tear it, and then just rub it, and the birds use their beak, and they go, and they work with it, and it sticks back together again. They're pruning their feathers. Do you know why it sticks together again? Have any of you read that? Because they have hooks on them. You're right. You got your science down. On each side of these are a bunch of little hairs. On this side, there's little hooks, and on this side, there's another, other kinds of hooks. They're a little different. And so if I take this back and I do this again, back, those little hooks fasten again, and then, hey, ladies, wouldn't you like to have a, wouldn't your mothers like to have a material like that that can tear? Just do this and put it back together. <laughs> wow. And you men want to design some kind of new kind of material, you can just tear it and put it back together again so easy? I haven't seen the men can make them that easy. But who can? God can. Wow. Feathers are wonderful. You never think about it. Feathers are wonderful because they have this special thing that only God can make that. You know, what kind of machine would we need to do that? And then we can just do this. And that's when you see birds bringing their feathers and they sit there after they get wet and they're working their beak and they're working and working on them. And they're putting that back together again. And they fix it up and the feathers back again ready to go. Isn't that something? You know, I, you've been here this week. You know, I like birds. I'm always watching birds. Have you noticed? You ever watch birds? You look for birds? This morning I was down and I saw the different kinds of birds tonight, yesterday, uh, this morning at Leon's. But there's certain little birds that jump around in the bushes and I want to look at them, you know, like this, and I'm looking at them. And those little birds, they jump, especially like the little warblers and some of those little birds, they jump, jump. And they have this uncanny way. They can jump and every time they land, they land behind some leaves or behind a branch where I can't see them. I look at them. And then he jumps again, and he, he lands. Every time he lands, he'll land hidden. I don't know how he manages that. How does he know to do that? But I stopped and thought about that a little, and I can't blame the little bird. Just a few weeks ago, I was in Honduras, and oh, I wanted to see a bird. And I had my camera, I wanted to take a picture of it, and the little bird would jump, 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 and I'd begin I'd be trying to find him, and I'd do like this. And I had my camera out, and he'd just keep jumping, and every time he'd jump, he'd be hidden. 
Later I thought about it, and I never got to see him though. I knew he was a little yellowish, and I think it was a, I'm not sure it was the kind of warbler what is, I never got to see him. Yes. Might have been a goat, oh, not in Honduras, so we don't have a goat in Honduras. But anyway, then I stopped and thought. Now think a little bit. You know, this little bird is about this big. How big is my eye? My eye is just about half as big as a bird. If I open my mouth big, he could about jump into it. What would you what would you feel like if you'd be out in the woods and you'd see a big face? With the eyes about as big as you and a big mouth, what would you do if he'd be doing like this and trying to look at you? Big giant, big huh? giant. What would you do? Uh, I would probably run. jump in. I would hide too. So I can't blame the four little birds if they see this big face going like this and trying to find it. And uh, <laughs> of course they want to get away from me because they're afraid of me. I can't blame them. You know, I was thinking about that a little bit. You know, we don't have giants like that. Obviously, right? No giants like that. Dinosaurs are all gone. We don't be afraid of dinosaurs anymore. So no more dinosaurs, nothing to be afraid of. That I don't think we have anything like that anymore. But you know, there's something else that is looking and trying to hurt us. You know what it is? You're right on the ball. Satan. Now he's not a big, he's not a big person that's going to bite us. But you know the Bible says, the Bible says, let me move my glasses here. Be sober. Be vigilant. That means be watchful. Watch out. Because your adversary, or your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil, he uses a comparison here, he's like a big lion that he's out there trying to eat us. Now, does devil, is the devil really like a lion that eats us? No. What does the devil do? Uh -huh. He tries to make us follow him. Make us follow him? Yeah. Uh -huh. This before God does. Someone else raise the hand here. He tempts us to sin. Right? You know what God Satan does? Satan tries to get us to disobey God. And sometimes his big, his big mind and his big eyes spiritually, you can't see him. And he's trying to get you to do things that you're not supposed to do. Were you were you designed to smoke? No. Anyone have a smokestack? Did God make a smokestack? No. Were you designed to fight? No. Were your hands made to fight? No. What are your hands made for? Climbing. Huh? Climbing and grabbing. Climbing and grabbing, yeah. What were you going to say? Riding. Pardon? Riding. Riding. Who said something here? Uh, yes, yeah, what did you say? Working. Working. You know what hands are also good for? Hands are good to be kind. Good to be kind. Hands are not made to hit. Teeth weren't made to bite people. No. We weren't made like that. But Satan tries, Satan tries to get us to do things that God does not want us to do. So as you get older, right now even, as you get older, what if Satan tries to get you to say, ah, oh, I don't want to listen to mom and dad. Would you listen to him? I want to go out into the world and I want to go do naughty things. Would you listen to him? No way. And you can decide right now. You can decide when I get older, I am not going to do the things, that I'm not going to listen to Satan and go do things that are in the world. I'm not going to do, do evil things. Listen to the wrong kind of music and drink the wrong kinds of things. Yes, I know. I have seen so many sad things happen to men that are drunk. It is so sad. God doesn't want people to do that kind of thing. So you can decide from right now that you're not going to listen to those, to Satan, those big eyes that are watching you. You know, he's going to try to get you to do things that are not good. But you're not going to listen to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for designing us. We thank you for birds. We thank you for calling us to be your children. We thank you for each one of the boys and girls that are here tonight. And Lord, you know their future. You know that the enemy is out to hurt our children, to destroy them. We pray that you would give in them the love to serving you, to following you, and not to follow the world, the ways of sin. 
Lord, we pray that each one of these children would be free from the paths of sin and the damage and the harm and the hurt. Bless their parents as they help them and lead them. In Jesus' name.